0: Life-Giving Church. This is our little theme song that you're hearing in the background. And uh, it helps us, anything you do, rating the podcast, sharing it, all that stuff helps the word get out. We're not trying to build the name of a church. We're trying to build the name of Jesus in our little local community. And if you found this, I hope it's useful to you. Thank you. Let's listen now. For right now, in this moment, before we get on to all the things that are ahead... All the things that are had days have a way of getting away from you. I woke up today with uh, different clothes and the idea that I was going to go home and shower and not be wearing a hat right now, and the day got away, and now I'm standing here in front of you, and we're singing all these songs, and we're doing all this stuff, and the question that I want to ask is, so what? Like, so what? Like, I think it's 7,452 people die in our country every day, and we don't, like, gather and sing a bunch of songs about them, so what? You may have that experience where you're driving to get somewhere and then you see coming the other way, you know, the cars with the little flags in the window and it has that uh, they're on their way to a funeral home somewhere. And you may have like that one second in your mind where you think, oh, that's sad. But mostly the answer is like, no, now they're getting in my way. I'm trying to get somewhere. So what? Uh, I don't know what your day, what you're walking. If you walk, I walk uh, this route that I walk from our house and I walk past this uh, cemetery on my way to coffee every day. And every once in a while you kind of peer and think about it. But I've never like stopped and thought, you know, we should all gather the whole church together one time in the year and like kind of remember all these people that died in this cemetery. I'm trying to say, why does Jesus Christ and his death on the cross, why does it matter to you sitting here right now? That's what I came to talk about today. Because we live in a day and a time um, that we kind of only do things that we want to do, kind of only do things that we feel like excited about doing. Uh, It's one of the fun challenges of, leading and running a church is people don't do stuff unless they want to. They only follow the rules that they think that they should follow. They only pay attention to the things that they want to pay attention to. We live in a day and a time where obligation has gone out the window for the most part, and most people operate from the premise of so like, but why should I have to? And that's what I want to talk about today. If you have a Bible, I hope you'll turn to First Corinthians in chapter 15. I'm Luke. If I didn't introduce, I've been uh, doing a very Number of things in this service. I'm blessed to serve as the pastor here. We're thrilled that you came today. I'm excited to preach to you now. This is the Apostle Paul writing in 1 Corinthians 15, and uh, if you don't know much about the Bible, Paul is the person who writes more of the New Testament than anybody else. And he says this in uh, 1 Corinthians in chapter 15. He says this. uh, He says, "I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received." that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. He's saying a couple of important things here. He's saying, um, I'm trying to tell you what I already learned. And what I'm trying to tell you that I've already learned is that Jesus Christ, he died, and he died for a reason. The reason that he died was for our sins, and he did it in the exact way that the Bible predicted. Paul goes on to say, in 1 Corinthians, now we're like 17 verses below in chapter 15 and verse 20. That in fact Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So he died just like the Bible said he would die. And when he was raised, he was raised as the, that's a, maybe an unfamiliar word to you, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Uh, first fruits, that word is like a it's an agricultural picture. So I know we have a few people that drive in from like Crystal Lake or whatever, but we don't really have a lot of that here, you know, farming kind of vibe. You don't really move to, yeah, some of you guys, yeah, you don't really move to Palatine because you're like, I want to grow crops, you know? Uh, I, know there's, I saw this thing on Facebook. There's like people fighting about whether or not they should be allowed to have chickens in their backyard. I don't know. I don't care. Who cares? I don't know. But like, you don't really move to Palatine for agriculture. It's not really like our, our vibe here. But the idea of a first fruit is, I think, something that you can understand and appreciate. When it says in that verse that Jesus is raised from the dead, he is the first fruit of those who've fallen asleep, the first fruit is an earnest or pledge uh, of what is to come. The first fruit is like the very first crop that comes up out of the ground. We're seeing that right now. Did anybody notice in the last like two or three days the very first flowers have shown up? Anybody notice that? Very exciting. Uh, if you grow something, the very first one is very special. Similar, this is like, I don't know how it works at your house, but uh, there's like a great moment, the first cookie that comes, that's like cooled down just enough that you can eat it when the rest of them come out of the oven. It's one of the ways in our family that's like dad privilege. I get the first shot at one of the cookies before. It's the idea of the very first thing is special because it's first and because it points to whatever's coming afterwards. All the way back in the book of Exodus, this is what's being... Uh, pointed at when God said to the people of Israel, the best of the first fruits of your ground you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. He also says you shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. That's not really what we're talking about today. That's intriguing. You can just put that over there. We'll talk about that another day. Put that verse back up for a second. The, uh, God says, so he's drawing a picture. Paul's drawing a picture here, and I want to show it to you. The people of Israel have been raised under the idea that the first thing it belongs, some of the first part belongs to God. It's why uh, I believe that the Bible teaches that if you're part of a church, some of, the first part of, every paycheck belongs to God. That in all kinds of cultures, there is this idea that the firstborn son could be dedicated to God in some special way. And so when Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 15 that Jesus dying and raising from the dead is the first fruit of those who've fallen asleep, he's saying, look at Jesus when he rises that's what's gonna happen to all the rest of you, too. He's a picture, he's the first one, but it's gonna happen to all of you, too, eventually. The first fruit is the promise of all the good to come. Amen. I am feeling very, very, very happy with the weather today. Anybody? <laughs> like, I'm like, I don't know, what, what you're. the older that I get, and I'm looking around the room, far from old. Um, <laughs> Uh, I know. You had to come to the other service. You might have to go to bed, Ken. I understand. No, so the, uh... <laughs> the older I get, I notice that the weather and the seasons and stuff, I pay attention to it more. And uh, my like favorite thing to do is to walk on a beautiful day. And being outside today, you have that feeling of like, oh my goodness, it's April. We're going to make it. Probably like next Sunday, it'll maybe snow one more time or the Sunday after that or whatever. Like there's always that one. There's one more, right? I think we agree. Are we past it or is there one more? Who vote? Okay, we'll vote, we'll vote, we'll vote. So who thinks there's one more? Okay, and who thinks that we're past it? Good, I took a picture of that mentally, so I'm coming for you with the... But there's that feeling on the first beautiful day of, wow. It's a picture of all the beautiful days to come. Jesus Christ, that's what is being promised here. So I want to just take you through uh, why does it matter so much that he's first? Why does it matter so much... That he's first why does the fact that he's the first fruit matter so much well here's why first corinthians 15 21 it says for as by a man came death by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead for as in adam all die so also in christ all shall be made alive Paul says the same thing in a different place in Romans. I think we have both of them for the screen. He says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. So here, okay, so you got to like just track along. This is like back to high school English class for a second, if you ever... We're there, Uh, I don't even know if they have that anymore, maybe just use that AI thing, and now you can just get your paper and it's perfect, so we all had to study, maybe the kids now don't have to. So he's saying, now look, here's the way that it worked. So through one person, sin infected the whole world. And so through one person, the infection of sin in the whole world was destroyed. He says it two times. Just as sin came into the world through one man, and because sin came, death came, Then death spread to all men because all sinned. I've heard these verses my whole life, and I thought I kind of understood them. And then I have spent a lot of time, I don't know if you have, thinking about whoever that one person is that spread COVID to the whole world. I have a few thoughts. Um, Unsubscribe from that. But we've seen with such, like you can't, every day it seems, if you go anywhere, there's all these news articles that pop up about the city, I think, where COVID started, that mysterious lab that's somewhere in China. And there's this obsession, and it's like politically motivated of, how did this happen? Where did it happen? Why did it happen? I thought it would help us. We'll just go around the room and everyone can kind of share their view. <laughs> and just throw in there whether you got vaccinated or not, too. It'll just kind of help us all. Like, um, But there's this obsession, isn't there, of How did this happen? Why did it happen? How did it happen? Why did it happen? And it's because, I think, people have this thought that if I understand where it came from, I can understand maybe how we can make sure it doesn't happen again. So sin entered the world, same way, through Jesus. Sin entered the world through Adam. So here's what he's trying to say Paul is. Because Adam sinned, all of us have sinned. Because all of us have sinned, all of us will die, because Jesus resurrected, all of us can live. That's the greatest news that you could ever hear. And so it's funny, because some people try to push against the idea that all people have sinned, and then uh, many of those people have the experience of becoming a parent. And like no one who's ever parented a little child wonders if all have sinned. Can I get a witness? (laughs) Because, like, I mean, it was just here, there was like a little baby in here a few minutes ago that was trying to destroy the whole church service. Could you hear it? It was like the singing was happening. It was like this one baby decided, I'm just going to destroy the whole church service and there's nothing they could do to stop me. Because there is something in all of us that comes from our sin nature from birth. That's where sin comes from. And it says here in the verse I read to you a minute ago and all over the Bible it teaches that the payment or the penalty that comes with sin is death. And the only way that can be solved is is through Jesus Christ. So, why does this matter? I'm getting to why it matters in just a second. I'm continuing along now in Romans chapter 5, where it says this, uh, in verse 15, that the free gift that God gives us, this is this idea of resurrection, the free gift is not like the trespass. So the, the analogy falls apart at a certain point, is what he's saying. For if, Many died through one man's trespass. Much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of God of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. You saying the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, verse 16, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. Okay, so I know this gets a little thick with the words, but just try to track with what he's saying. He's trying to say that they're not equal. So even though through Adam, so you know the story, I'm sure you've heard it or some version of it, Adam and Eve ate the fruit that God told them not to eat and through that sin infected the whole world. And what he's trying to say here is it isn't like Jesus and what Jesus did equals The bad. It isn't like Jesus' good equals the bad of what happened through Adam and Eve. He's trying to say Jesus' good overwhelms and destroys the bad that came through the sin. The free gift isn't like the trespass. The free gift is more. It is bigger. That's what they were trying to sing in all the songs during the service today, that through Jesus Christ, our sins can be forgiven. Through Jesus Christ, the thing that we can't solve for ourselves can be solved. I have uh, four things that I brought to say about that that I hope will be helpful to you. The first one is this, uh, I can't opt out of God's moral law, and that moral law leads to sin. So God created the world uh, to work in a certain way, and we don't get the like ability to decide we don't want to be part of it. What do I mean? What I mean is there's some things that you just are kind of stuck being part of because you're a human or because of where you live. Like I had this thought like maybe um, we could just like decide together that we would just, maybe maybe you'd be interested in helping me with this. I had this thought like maybe we could just decide we'll just like opt out of paying property taxes from now on. (laughs) Just be like, cool, okay, good, yeah, I got a few, yeah. We'll just like, no, I just won't do it. Well the reason why that won't work is because if you want to live in this place, There comes with it a set of rules and ideas and things that you have to participate in. Some things you can choose, a lot of things that you can't. And the fact that God created the world in a certain moral way is something that you can't avoid. That's what Paul means when he says, For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. What he says, For sin indeed was in the world before the law is given, what he means is there are some rules... That are from the Creator, not because human beings wrote them down, do you ever have this experience as you're looking at the world and thinking that's what the way that our government says things are supposed to work, but like I don't really think it's supposed to work like that. Have you ever had that thought? I, okay, okay, a couple people, yeah, I have that thought. Um, I just kind' of always feel like the speed limits should be higher. <laughs> it just feels like it would be like better if we could go faster and and I look at all kinds of things about our world today, and now I'm being a little more serious. Don't you look at our world today and think a lot of the things that people in charge think are good, I feel like are bad? Anyone ever feel like that? And then like a lot of the things they think are good, I kind of kind of makes me feel a little like, I don't know. It's because inside of us, because of our creator, the imprint of God's nature on us is that we have somewhere inside of us an understanding, whether we acknowledge it or not, of his moral law. God's moral law, Tozer said it this way, a famous uh, Christian writer, that God's moral law is the transcript of his holiness. It is the expression of his nature. There's something inside of us that if we care about God, we're like, nah, it shouldn't be that way. I can't opt out of God's moral law. I don't get to say, I don't want to be part of that. And what that means is no matter how hard I may try and no matter how much I may not want to, I make choices different than the ones that God wants me to make. A different way of saying that is I can't avoid sin and sin leads to death. I can't avoid it. I can't avoid it. I can't avoid it. I can't avoid it. That's what Paul is saying again in Romans 5 when he says, and death is through sin. So, Sin spread to all men because all sinned. It's what Paul is pointing at uh, just a couple chapters later in Romans 7 when he says, I don't understand my own actions. I, I-, I don't do what I want to do. And the-, the very thing that I hate is the things that I end up doing. Man, is that a description of life sometimes? I, I, don't-, I don't get it. It's like, I, I want to be patient and loving and kind and then they just, and then I'm just angry again. I, I, I wanna be, uh, I promised myself I wasn't gonna be late for church because I don't like sitting in the back because then I can't see, and then I was late again. And there's this thing in us that as you get older you start to experience more that is, no matter how hard I try, I still end up doing things different than the things I wanna do. Can I get a witness anywhere in the room? It's supposed to be pointing us towards the reality that we can't avoid sin and that sin leads to death. I also can't defeat death, which means that I need a Savior. I can't defeat death. I can't defeat sin. I'm supposed to be coming to an awareness that death is on its way towards me and I need a Savior. Uh, our culture and generation is obsessed with the idea of avoiding the reality of aging and death. Uh, on average, uh, American adults spend $100 per year on anti-aging products, which is twice as much as our government spends on the Center for Disease Control. So we spend more money trying to look young than we do trying to stay alive as a society is roughly the statistical case that I can make to you. because. Somewhere uh, we've decided or thought that getting older, which means I look like I'm progressing towards death, is something to avoid. Yet there's nothing I can do to stop it. Age slowly goes forward. We, uh, I was just reminded of this this week. I don't know if you've ever heard of Ted Williams, the famous baseball player. He was uh, the best baseball player in the 1940s and 50s in the world. And uh, when he died, his uh, head was taken away from his body and it was cryogenically frozen and still to this day is in like a warehouse somewhere because he got this idea that eventually science would progress to where his body would be able to be recreated and they could just like put his head back on and he would be back alive again. Just say, that's weird. It's weird, it's weird, it's weird, it's weird. It's another reflection, another reflection of the fear that people have of what happens after death. When you're young, you just avoid thinking about it. As you get older, you do your best to try to figure out how to accept it. This is what Paul meant, we're back to 1 Corinthians 15, when he said that the last enemy to be destroyed is death. That I can't, I can't defeat it. There's nothing that I can do to change the reality that someday I'm going to die. And so I have to have a plan. It's interesting It's interesting that in our uh, culture, we spend more time trying to make sure that we have enough money for the last part of our life than we do thinking about the reality that something comes after we die. I'm going to talk about this more on Sunday, but uh, there's very, very few people in our country, even people who say they don't believe in a God, on average, most still say they believe that there's some kind of afterlife. There's something, the Bible says that it's buried down inside each human being, that tells us this is something, but there's something else more out there after this. And I came today to say to you that Jesus Christ and his death is the only solution to the law and to sin and to death. Jesus Christ and his death is the only solution to the law and to sin and to death. It's the only path that fixes this problem. Looking at the scripture again, it says, For if because of one man's trespass, death reigns through that man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. He continues, he says, So so by one man's disobedience... Many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. So that, another verse, as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So let's make it practical now. Uh, I'm looking at a room full of people. It's a room very full of people. Exciting, it's full. It's a little bit warm. You can see that on some of your faces reflected. At least I can. And there's people at all ages. There's people under 10 years old and there's people over 80 years old in this room right now. Each one of us, we have all kinds of backgrounds. It's one of the things I love about being in church with you all is people in this room come from all kinds of backgrounds. There's people that were born in all kinds of different countries, people that grew up rich, grew up poor, grew up with a great family, grew up with a terrible family. There's people that I uh, love coming to church. There's people that got dragged here right now, and I can see them looking at their phone like every three seconds, hoping that maybe he'll be done by five. Okay, 11 more minutes. I can make it. We come from all different places. We come from all different places. But I've read like, I don't know, 25 verses to you that are all pointing us to this truth that we all pass through this same gate or this same place. No matter where you came from, no matter what your life has been like up until now, we all have to pass through this. We will all die, and when we die, we will meet Jesus Christ face to face, and we will be responsible for whether or not we figured out who he was in this life. And people come now, right here in this day and time, with all this like weird uh, religious background, and people say all the time, like, yeah, I mean, I like, I like the Jesus part. It's just, like, some of the people that like Jesus I don't really like. Is there a way we could, like, pull that apart? I was just in my office, like, I don't know, when was that, two days ago over here with a guy that said, I like everything that you're telling me about Jesus. Just the guy that I met here in the community in Palatine. He said, I like everything that you're telling me about Jesus. It's just that my mom liked Jesus, too, and she hurt me more than anyone's ever hurt me. So tell me how we can pull those pieces apart. And I was like, well, first of all, I'm gonna quote you in the sermon. Now let me try to answer this for you, my friend. It's kind of the vibe of the story. The real Jesus came from heaven to earth. He opted into that. He lived a life. He didn't come as a rich person. He came as a regular person. He lived a perfect, sinless life. He gave his life on the cross. We're gonna talk on Sunday that he rose from the dead. Like that first verse that I read to you today, He is Jesus is the first fruit. The first fruit is the promise of all the good to come. So, the first move that Jesus made in His relationship with you is to die for your sin on your behalf. That was His like opening. I remember, uh, Christ- I have a picture in my office uh, of Kristen and I's first date. We were both sixteen. Um, And so it's kind of fun because we're like at the point now, it was like about 20 years ago, so we're at the point now where like all the fashion that we were wearing then has like come around again. And uh, we were both 16, and I remember uh, I didn't have my driver's license yet, so like my parents, I think, drove us. And It was Valentine's Day, and I went and picked her up, and I remember how much time I spent thinking about like what shirt I was going to wear, and like, you know, like when you're, young, you're a boy, you try to think, like, what's like the right amount of cologne to take that teenage stench away, but like not so much that it's like, you don't want to be like the cologne guy. You don't want to be cologne guy, you know? So you're trying to like fit kind of that middle point. And uh, I remember how much time and energy I went into that, like thinking about where should we go to eat and how should I act? And I had like this whole thing, like in my mind, it was like all, I was like, it was all going to be perfect. And then like we joke now because she had like, you know, the same thing going and All this energy and time goes into that first, 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 first date, uh, job interview, the first time you meet somebody important, the first time, all this energy goes into that. And God's message to you, friend, is that the first thing that God did in relationship to you was that Jesus Christ gave his life on your behalf. It says in the book of Romans that God did that while you were still a sinner. Like It it wasn't like, when I showed up for the date, I was like, oh man, this is cool. She knows I'm coming. She'll probably look really cute too. It'll be really fun. It wasn't mutual in any way. God, through Jesus Christ, gave his life while we were still in a position and posture of rejecting him. Jesus gave his life not because he knew that everyone would accept him. He gave his life knowing that many people would choose not to. This is what Paul says in Romans, I think so beautifully, he says, one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, maybe someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So I'd like to think I have four children. They're all, as far as I knew when I started teaching in the building right now. And I like to think that if the opportunity presented itself, I would give my life on their behalf? I don't know how that would materialize, but I mean, who, you know, there's a lot of parents in the room. Who thinks, like, if, I, if the opportunity came, I'd like to think that I would give my life to save my child's life. Who thinks? I think so, right? Yeah, you don't really want to be the one who doesn't raise your hand right there. That's kind of awkward. Like, <laughs> but it depends which kid you're talking about, you know. Uh, <laughs> all, right, all right, all right. That's what he's saying. He's saying, so wait, so like, I mean, maybe... But I'll just, like, be totally honest. I like to think of myself as a decent pastor. I love each and every one of you. But I, I mean, honestly, I probably wouldn't give my life for you. I'll drive to the hospital at midnight, probably. I'm happy to talk to you, like, pray with you, do whatever I can. I'm just, like, being honest, probably wouldn't. So he's saying. I mean, you scarcely would, you wouldn't, probably wouldn't give your life for, like, a really even good person. Like, maybe, maybe if it was, like, maybe... But God shows his love for you and for me that while we were still spitting in his face by the choices that we make, while we were still rejecting his law, while we were still choosing our way over this way, while we were still right there in the darkness of our sin, even still, he was like, I'm in, I'll die. I'll die, I'll die. They're gonna reject me for it like most of their life. I'll still die. They're gonna like go to church and and raise the hands and sing the songs and give the offerings and volunteer and promise, but then like, Just, you can't even wait to hear all the language that'll be in the car on the way home and all the nonsense that's gonna be happening on Tuesday and between now, I'll still die. They'll like read my book that I give them and then use it to be harsh and brutal and judgmental to people that I love. I'll still die. I'll still die. He's trying to say no human being would do that. No human being would do that only a god would do that no human being would be like wait they treat me like that and still like i said i say it all the time we're so used to transactional relationships that the lack of thought in what god was willing to do for us should draw us to our knees in repentance and lift our hands in worship to say wait a second it's so what John is saying when he says, greater love has no man than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. So the reason why, this is where I started, and now we're almost at the end, the reason why Jesus' death should matter to you, even if most of the other deaths that have ever happened in this world don't, is because his death is the only death that can save you from death. That's like the only plan. And so if you think, if you're on the good person train, let's just spend a second there. If I was to ask for hands in a minute. I mean, it's church, so you might know better, but like most of us like to think of ourselves as being good people. I'm like, nice, you know, I opened the door for a lady at a coffee shop today. I like, I raked like one little bit of the lawn of my neighbor, pulled it over onto my side. I'm a decent person. But we talked about this all through here. The Bible says that one sin, one wrong choice makes you the same as any other sinner. So the I'm just a good person thing doesn't work because there are no good people. I guess there was one good person, that's Jesus, and they put him on the cross anyway. So the good person plan doesn't work. And all the other world religions, they don't work because all the other world religions, their plan is you do everything you can to earn the favor of an angry God and maybe he'll spare you. Biblical Christianity is the only world religion that is not based on our being good, but that we worship someone who is good. So the good person thing doesn't work. The other world religions don't work. And the like, this is kind of like the half version. Some of us are like, okay, fine, it's a free gift, but like I'll do a lot of good stuff and I'll like kind of earn it. A lot of church people get like that. Okay, like, yeah, I get it. You know, I'm a sinner and everything, but like, I mean, pretty good, right? I mean, pretty good. I volunteered, like, you know, I came early. Only when we see the true reality that there is nothing we can do to earn the favor of a holy God. And yet at the cross, Jesus gave us his favor anyway. That is the only place that a person can move from death to life, from darkness to light, from hell to heaven. And so I wonder today, friend, You got this part figured out? Like, are you sure? Like, sure, sure. Like, maybe we'll do it this way. Maybe you could just bow your head. We're going to sing in just a second. But, um, I just wonder, like, um, do you know that you're going to heaven? Do you know that you've turned from your sin and chosen Jesus Christ as Lord? Are you, like, as sure as you know your own name, I got this. Or like, you're kind of like, I don't know, man. Like, as you're talking, I'm like, I think so. I kind of, I don't know. Maybe I have been kind of trying the good person thing. Maybe I'm just asking if you could bow your head and close your eyes all around the room. I just wonder, is there anybody in the room today who would say, I'm not sure that I have this all figured out, but I'd really like to get it figured out. If that's you, could you just raise a hand somewhere? I'm not gonna ask you to say anything. No, you can keep your hand up just for, just for a second. I'm not gonna point you out or try to embarrass you in any way, in any way, shape, or form. In just a second, I wanna lead you in a prayer so if your hand up, I just want to invite you, and it's there's no like, if you've accepted Jesus before, if you've tried your best and you're not sure, there's no harm in being certain. If you raised your hand a moment ago, I just, I want to say a prayer, and I want you to just invite you to just whisper it and along right with me. You could just say, God, I know I'm a sinner. You could say, uh, I believe that I need Jesus' death. say, God, will you come into my life right now? Zach, God, I believe in you. Yeah, if you prayed that prayer and it feels like this is like real and significant for you, I just want to invite you to raise your hand again. Again, I'm not going to embarrass you or anything. Did you pray that now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all around the room. here's how we're going to respond. The guys are going to sing. And I want to invite you to get those communion elements in your hand. uh, The body and the blood. And they're going to sing. I want you to hold these in your hand. I want to invite you to worship the God who died for you like maybe you've never worshipped him before. these in your hand we'll take them together at the end this has been the good news neighborhood podcast thank you so much for listening i hope you've enjoyed the song i hope it's been helpful to you we'll see you again soon this is good news